0: Today on Mentor Moments, we are welcomed by Amy Turk.
1: You know, I had this straight line envisioned when I was really young and when I started out. And veering off of that line, I see how every step along the way taught me so much that now really brings value and helps me out.
2: Amy Turk has her own private practice, Amy Turk Counseling, LLC. All right, we have another episode here today of Mentor Moments, uh, and we're blessed with Amy Turk as our guest. Amy, how are you?
1: I'm doing awesome, thanks for having me.
2: You're, you're most welcome. So we usually like to start and having our guests just give a brief history of your career. So again, who are you, where you work, You know, what do you love about your job, your career?
1: All right. Um, Well, my name's Amy Turk and currently I have a private practice located in downtown Kirkwood and I absolutely love my work. I love coming to work every day. I love the people that I meet. Um, I love building relationships with the people I work with. I actually work alone right now, um, so it's just me and my practice. My practice is Amy Turk Counseling, LLC. Um, but one day, you know, I might like to um, kind of join up with other other counselors in a group practice. I actually do have a couple therapists um, next door to me in my office building, So I like to confer with them whenever I get the opportunity. That's really nice. And actually, one of them I worked with in an agency um, for about a year. so that that was kind of neat reuniting here in this context, but, um, yeah, I would say I got certified in EMDR about a year and a half ago. And I think some of my most rewarding work that I've done since being in private practice is the EMDR work. Um, I just find it so gratifying to help people get relief. Relatively quickly, um, I hear people say a lot, like, you know, I've been in therapy for years and I've talked about this so much, and I understand, you know, why it bothers me and why it shouldn't bother me. And um, EMDR can kind of just melt through some of that, you know, th- some of that pesky hanging on, like, I know what's going on, but I don't know why I still just feel this way. EMDR can kind of just clear through that in a couple sessions and just seeing people get that relief and be so just so happy about it it really makes it all worth it it really it just makes my day.
2: So yeah. some of our listeners that may be tuning in for the first time or, or maybe aren't you know have a counseling background can you give a brief what is EMDR in your words?
1: Oh, yes. So EMDR is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. And essentially, it harnesses the brain's natural capacity to heal itself, like what happens during REM sleep, the rapid eye movement sleep. So if you've ever gone to bed really mad or upset, and then woken up the next morning and been kind of... Um, baffled by how what you were so upset about the night before just doesn't even bother you that much now. Um, that's that's the power of that rapid eye movement. And so essentially what, what it does is it um, facilitates communication between the right and the left sides of the brain. And the left side of the brain is what we're using in talk therapy. So the left side of the brain is um, involved in um, expressive language. But the right side of the brain is connected more to the body where the traumatic input is stored. And so by facilitating the communication between the right and left side of the brain, you can bring up that stored traumatic information from the body and then process it effectively through talking. So yeah, it just kind of takes talk therapy to like another level.
0: In your career development, you know, we've heard a little bit about, you know, where you are now. Um, Curious a little bit about, like, how you ended up where you're at now. Like, what were the pieces that, like, fell into place that got you where you are today?
1: Yeah, so my journey was a little, um, (laughs) I guess it was, um, it it was maybe not i don't i don't want to put any kind of adjective on it so i'll just i'll just say i was a teacher to start with so i was a teacher for over a decade i taught french and um i was really passionate and still am about french language french culture france the country all of it and i was so excited going into teaching to share my passion with the students and um over time you know, there was always the 20 to 25% of the kids that were excited to learn French and that was a joy. But then there were a lot of kids that were like, why do I even have to learn French? Or I don't don't want to talk about French. And um, I started realizing that the classroom management piece was about building relationships and having 20 to 25 kids and building relationships with all of them while trying to teach them French when a lot of them weren't interested in it. It was, um, it just got to be, Kind of frustrating, and um, outside of the classroom, I was coaching, running, and being able to do that through Girls on the Run, and being able to do that, I was um, building more like one-on-one individual relationships, and I I really enjoyed that, and I felt like okay, this is something that I think I want to do more. I want to have more individual type relationships with the people I'm working with. So then. Um, that and some other factors kind of led me to come to maryville and pursue a master's in counseling and then from there i worked at the Independence center for a couple years and did a lot of vocational rehabilitation which was great because um you know i definitely felt well prepared to do that work coming out of the masters at maryville and then from there um I I had always wanted to end up in private practice. So I went to a group practice and worked there for a while. But um, I found that I was doing a lot of the stuff that I would have been if I owned my own private practice, just not getting paid for it and then having to having to give up a lot of the the profits um, to the practice. So that started to financially not make a ton of sense, even though it was really the work I wanted to do. I loved being in private practice and, and working with uh, clients. Um, so then I, w- I went back and I worked in um, an agency, Alsana, for eating disorder treatment. And then um, I worked in substance use recovery at Sana Lake. And then from there, I started my own Practice in June of this uh, past year, 2022. So I'm coming up on a year in my own practice.
2: Well, you, you kind of mentioned it, or you, you really got to our next question. You, you you said earlier that your end goal was private practice, and you're sort of there. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about again where you're at in your career journey, and sort of what's next now that you're sort of at a place you're really happy to be at.
1: Yeah. So. Um, I, I'd always wanted to end up in private practice. And now that I'm here, you know, I'm thinking, okay, so what are my next goals? And I definitely want to carve out a a real specialty niche for myself. And that definitely is substance use and addiction. Um, so I actually just wrote a book that came out last month called Alcohol Made Me Do It why people act out of character when they drink and how to stop. And in there, I talk about EMDR. Um, Trauma is a really common theme for a lot of people who struggle with substance use and addiction. And then I also talk a lot about, you know, the, the things we do to manage anxiety, you know, in your kind of standard practice um, talk therapy. So I talk a lot about CBT and a lot about mindfulness and meditation and how those tools can be really helpful to get short-term relief and then also long-term relief and to create long-term change. So yeah, I think my next big goal is to really um, establish myself as an addiction
2: recovery specialist. Well, where can people get the book, Amy? So it's available on Amazon. And you can send us a link and we'll put it in the description, right? For for people who are listening, so. Sure,
1: yeah, awesome. I can definitely do that.
0: Yeah, so you've already kind of explained like how EMDR and, you know, this new book have really like impacted your career. And now that you're, you're no, you know, like a year into your practice, has there been anything, any success stories, any, Um, prior experiences that have made like a big impact on, you know, that development?
1: Yeah, you know, I actually in the book talk about some client success stories. And um, EMDR is a big part of a lot of those. Um, Specifically, I do have one person that I've been working with who does struggle with addiction. And in EMDR, we often start with Um, a negative core belief and then pair that with a memory and this person's negative core belief was I'm not good enough and so we worked on that a lot and he had um, his goal was to start his own business and he's worked in sales his whole career and he's really good at it and he's made you know a good living at that but it's just really been his dream to have his own his own thing his own business but his negative core belief has been really holding him back. Thinking like you know, if I do this, it'll fail. Um, you know, really nervous about you know it is a it's a huge risk to start a business. And you know, if you're <clears throat> kind of held back on some level by thinking like nothing I do is good enough, it's going to be incredibly scary to imagine taking that leap. But um, over the course of our work with EMDR you know he was able to replace that negative core belief of i am not good enough to i am okay it will be okay so not like i am good enough or you know i'm great but whatever happens will be okay and so we talked about like hey what if you what if you follow your dream what if you start this business and it does fail what are the good things that could come out of that and then hey now you're going to be positioned for you know, the next step, which will be the dream come true, you know? And it was just really um revolutionary for him to be able to kind of reframe his whole outlook on that. And he ended up he ended up taking the steps and now he's launching his product. Um and you know, it's just so exciting to be able to be a part of that with someone.
2: I, I wish our listeners, right, could see your face when you were described as you just again is live up and, and and it made me think about I think maybe most counselors sort of like working with somebody you know and they see them enter at point a and exit at point b but also in, in hearing you talk about that it made me think about like the vulnerability of like of people and like they're letting us in so that sort of sacred space that we get to join with those clients and that to me that's if I had to say something about counselors or the process of counseling that I didn't know before I started is it's again that we're sharing such a sacred space with another person and sort of joining them on their journey and again I I just wish people could see the joy on your face when you kind of describe that that story so yeah I I appreciate that thinking back to your whole career journey from teaching and deciding to go back to school and then sort of the 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 steps that got you here with the different employment options, like, was there something that surprised you along the way that maybe, again, you were unexpected?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess there's been, there's been several, but I think now that I look back on it, I, I think, <laughs> I think I'm kind of um, walking alongside a lot of my clients in my own healing journey as as I accompany them on theirs. I'm kind of seeing how things fell into place and worked out, you know, just the way they needed to. And I actually talk about this in the book too. Um, another shout out to to Maryville and my time there. Learning about the theory of vocational of um, career development, planned happenstance, you know, I think starting out at the independence center was the best thing I could have done um, for so many reasons. But you know, to get to the place where I could start my private practice, I had to get my license. And when I look at what other people go through, in their licensure process um, and what how it was so facilitated and helped along by by everyone there um, leadership coworkers. i think you know that's really surprising to me now that like you know i didn't have to pay for a supervisor i got to do my supervision on the clock and you know all the paperwork um, I was handheld through that and I guess you know I see other people paying all this money for supervisors and struggling to cobble together their hours and that that's something now that I, I feel kind of surprised by it worked out really well and I'm I'm kind of glad that's how it happened for me
2: yeah I mean I appreciate you hearing hearing you say that I, I guess I hear Dr. Bernalino in the back of my mind when you say that that he like he often talks about, you know, maybe negotiating things in your first job. You know, is it is it is it covered? If not, will you pay for it if I have to go outside yeah. for supervision? Um, maybe and even just like the culture of the the, you know, maybe it's not always salary is the most important thing. What's the culture of the agency? And again, it sounds like it you again, you found a very supportive agency and an independent center, which again allowed you to be where you are today so yeah I'm 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 pleased to hear that
1: yeah
0: yeah those were like the exact same things that drove me to youth and need like like as you were saying like like licensure and culture and and all those things yeah shout out to youth and need same thing so you know we're more than our career um you're plenty busy with all these things going on what are you doing outside of work outside of that nine to five
1: So definitely spending a lot of time at volleyball and racquetball practices and tournaments. (laughs) So I have three kids, I have a kindergartner and then I have a seventh grader and a freshman and my freshman plays racquetball and my seventh grader plays volleyball, club volleyball. So getting to do a lot of that and seeing them kind of grow in their self-confidence, you know, in their participation in sports and team sports and getting to know other parents and other kids. It's a lot of fun and I enjoy doing that in my free time.
0: You mentioned running um, a, a little bit ago. Are we still doing any, any running nowadays or?
1: <laughs> yeah, I love to run. Um, I, I don't currently have a gym membership. So sometimes when the weather's cold I don't get outside um, to do it. But now that the weather's starting to perk up and springs around the corner, I, I see a lot of running in my future, I think.
2: <laughs> do you like to trail run I, or just on the street? Where where do you? Um
1: I like to run on the street. Um, you know, I'll definitely go for a trail run if I have a trail available and close by um, or if I can drive out to one and find a chunk of time to dedicate to that. But yeah, I'll just run around the neighborhood.
2: I was trying to give a shameless plug to our season two first three episodes of Anna Zelinsky, who she's an avid trail runner, and she does these ultra, you know, hundred mile runs. and and so uh, she's really pushing her limit both physically and mentally when she when she does those runs. So <laughs> well,, you know we always like to talk about a professional organization. You know, the podcast here is co-hosted or co-sponsored by the Missouri Rehab Association Eastern Chapter. So we always like to ask our guests, you know, are they members of professional organizations and if they aren't, do, do you do any volunteer opportunities? Um, so just kind of curious uh, on that.
1: Yeah, so I guess this isn't um, like an official professional organization, but I, I definitely am on Facebook in the St. Louis therapists page. And that's really proved very beneficial for anything from referrals or questions about like insurance, or, you know, if you have any kind of an issue, ethical issue, um, payment issue, I mean the gamut, you can go there and ask for, you know, has anybody been through this or how have other people handled this? And that's been incredibly helpful to me as I've been starting out in private practice I do um, since I did the certification with um, MDRA for EMDR I I did I in order to get my certification I had to pay some membership dues and I do get um, newsletters and There'll also be videos and webinars and things like that um, to take your understanding further or to, you know, kind of brush up on things. So I've taken advantage of that a couple of times because I do use EMDR quite a lot in my practice. I did want to go to the networking event for MRA this summer um, where they were doing the headshots because I really need some professional (laughs) headshots, but I didn't make it to that. But yeah, I mean... I know that participation in those professional organizations is really important that you get a lot out of it and it can be a valuable way to meet people that you know you never know who you're going to need or. To also to be of service to others feels good and is a great way to grow professionally yourself so volunteering, you know I need to I need to think about that too, I guess yeah other than. sliding scale scale rates and things like that. Um, I don't do a lot of volunteering. Right now, I have to say my free time is taken up a lot with my parenting duties, but that's definitely something that has been really valuable in the past when I volunteered. And I do want to get into that more in the future for sure.
2: Well, if you didn't know, Brayton has multiple talents. One of them is an expert photographer. He volunteered okay. to do some headshots for some of our students uh, when he was a student. So I, I mean, he's he's pretty talented. And I'll let a little secret out: the MRA summer conference, Lake of the Ozar, June 5 through 7. We're going to do headshots there too. So if you Ooh. want to make it down to Margaritaville, Amy, you can get some headshots there as well.
0: That is a mentor moment's exclusive. You heard and it. That's right. right. Breaking, breaking news, <laughs> right here. Breaking You're going news. here. first. Cats out of the bag. Yeah, um, we have to do it. Well, we made it. We're close to the end, um, Amy. We would love to hear what is your tip, homework, uh, task for our listeners as your mentor moment.
1: Yes. So speaking of planned happenstance, um, you know, I I talk a lot to my um, clients about being in the moment as much as they can. You know, um, a lot of people, everybody that sees me, whether they're coming in for addiction or trauma or deals with anxiety and with anxiety, you know, there's a lot of overthinking. There's a lot of thinking about the future, um, worrying about things we can't control. And I think for myself, when it came to my career development, you know, I had this straight line envisioned when I was really young and when I started out and veering off of that line in my mind was failure. And now that I'm kind of On the other end, I feel like of that line, and I look back, I see how every step along the way taught me so much that now really brings value and helps me out where I am now. And now I'm where I wanna be. So I think it's kind of a good reminder that if you're just in the moment, you know, of course, you have to make plans for the future, you have to set goals. You know, I'm not saying don't do that, but. I think, you know, don't be so married to the goal that, you know, if things come up and it doesn't work out that it feels like, you know, like a catastrophe, just focus as much as you can on what am I doing right now and try to just do your best at whatever that is and then put one foot in front of the other and then tomorrow do that same thing again and then things are going to kind of fall into place and when the right opportunity comes along, you'll be ready to, to seize it. You know, I think that that can be really helpful because I know a lot of kids that I see, teenagers and things, they're so worried about, you know, I've got to, I've got to get into X school or I've got to have X career. And if I don't, it's going to be, it's going to be a disaster, you know, and it's like, oh, well, you know, let's not worry about the future so much or let's not worry about things outside of our control. Let's just kind of stay here in the moment. And how am I doing today? What am I doing today? And Kind of hang out there.
2: <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I hear tidbits of sort of that solution focus. Small, small change leads to bigger change, and just sort of then ground yourself and, and be present. And yeah, the, the future will take care of itself.
1: Really? Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And what a good piece to like model, like your own career off of, giving them to the next generation. I, I love that.
1: Yeah, and I think especially today because everything's changing so much, and I think a lot of these jobs that we all had presented, I mean, people my age, I think, and older, a lot of these jobs that we had sort of laid out as options, I don't know if like those are going to be there or they're definitely not going to be the same. And so I think being adaptable and being open now more than ever is just
2: super important. Amy, we appreciate you joining us on, on Mentor Moments. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for having
2: me, you guys. It was really fun.
0: We want to thank you guys again for listening to another episode of mentor moments and we want to take this time to listen to you guys our audience if there's anybody specific or anyone in a general field of study that you would love for us to interview feel free to give us an email we'll put our contact information in the description of this episode
2: we couldn't be more happy about the amount of listens and plays and interaction that we have gotten from season one and season two Brayton and I are continually trying to be innovative, create new episodes, uh, new features in the episodes. So please, as Brayton said, let us know your thoughts. We, we want to meet your needs and continue to grow Mentor Moments.